money is a tool. And what happens is couples really need to understand like, well, what does money represent to us? And we had to go through something really, really difficult to understand this amazing life lesson. And, and that is this, I am not the financial provider for my family. Welcome to the Reconnected Marriage Partners podcast. Hi, we are David and Eben, your host on the show. We know what it's like to feel less connected as a couple while juggling the increasing responsibilities and demands of work, life, and parenthood. We also know what it feels like to achieve a deeper level of connection and intimacy in marriage while raising a family. If you're ready to reconnect on a deeper level, reignite the passion in your marriage, and enjoy a more exciting and satisfying marriage, even if you're raising children with limited time, this podcast was made for you. Be prepared to be empowered and inspired to build the strong and connected marriage you truly desire. All right, let's light up that spark. Come on! Yeah. Hi, friends, and welcome to the Reconnected Marriage Partners podcast. I am here today with two special guests, and they are a couple, and we are blessed to have them here. Again, I know I did not say how you all are doing, but once again, by faith, I am saying and trusting that it is well with you. So I'll just go straight into the introduction of our guests today. We have Casey and Megan Caston, who are a married couple relationship experts and best-selling authors founders of Marriage 365, an online platform serving over 20,000 members that offers tools, resources, and courses that touch upon real issues that couples face, from navigating financial stress to the intricacies of affair recovery. Now, Marriage 365 was started as a side passion in 2013 by both of them, the castles had a vision to make healthy couples the norm and began creating practical marriage resources based on their own journey as a couple once on the brink of divorce. They quickly saw that there was a huge need in the marriage space and went full-time on this journey on July 1st, 2015. I just want to welcome you, Casey and Megan, to the show. Hey, David. Thank you so much Hi. for having us. Thanks for having us. We're excited that's, to be here. That's great. Uh, I've you know, gone through your website and there is quite a lot, a lot of resources there, which is really great because I think the, the, the world needs them. And most importantly, believers also need them. And the thing is, because we're beginning to see that um, the world has a way of shouting the bad, bad news and as believers, we need to learn also how to scream on the hilltops and on the mountains that it is possible to have a healthy marriage. And so I just want to appreciate both of you for what you do in ensuring that these resources are available for people to receive. So thank you so much. You're welcome. Yeah, it's important for both Casey and I to you know, make sure that there's affordable, convenient resources, because there's, if you think about how many people are married on this planet, right on earth, and how few resources there actually are available for couples, it's kind of sad. And so we really wanted to be innovators 
in the marriage space and we've worked hard at, you know, this for over 10 years. So. Yeah. And I, I do have to say we're inspired. Um, if there is a book in the Bible that was all about marriage, it's the book of Proverbs. And so okay. <laughs> we, we've stolen most of our content from the book of Proverbs and, and applied that in a way that, um, Anybody, regardless of their faith tradition, could actually access content that is really, really helpful and works. It was it was the exact um, playbook that we used to pull ourselves back from the brink of divorce and moving towards a place of being healthy, connected and actually having fun. There's mm. a lot of couples that are married out there, but they're not having fun. And that was no. really, really important to, to Megan and I. That's great. That's actually really great. You know, I have a few questions for, for us today. And seeing that most of our um, listeners may not know you or have an idea of who you are, it would be great to know your story. You know, how, how did it all start? <laughs> yeah, well, I'll, I'll go back to when I first met Megan. We were in college. I was part of the Freshman Welcoming Committee. And uh-huh. Megan was an incoming freshman. So I quickly saw her and made a beeline for her and said, would you like a private tour? <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, dating was so fun. Dating was mm. amazing. And it was it was so much fun that I said, you know what, let's do this forever. Mm. And I didn't really have any expectation that anything was going to change once we got married. But then we did get married. <laughs> Things radically changed because... um. Dating is all the fun things, you know, going out to eat and having shared experiences, but you're not necessarily doing life with a team member until you get married. And once you get married, you have to work through difficult topics. And I didn't want to talk about any of those things. I only want to show up for the fun stuff, right? Um, where, we, where are we going to go on our next date? I'm showing up for sex. That was fun, right? Those were all the funny things. But, but I didn't want to talk about money. I didn't want to talk about um, unhealthy behaviors that I may have or annoying habits. I didn't want to talk about chores. I didn't want to talk about those, the logistics of life. And so I had all these expectations that dating was going to be what my married experience was. And when it didn't happen, I got angry mm-hmm. and it was screaming and shouting and shoving and all the bad behaviors of, of, of not, knowing how to deal with conflict. And then once we were in conflict, it was like a competitive battle and who's going to win. And, you know, and, you know, when you're in conflict and you're flooded, you don't say the nicest things, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it became all out warfare for us. And by year three, I know we, I was done. I was done. Mm -hmm. So where, where did that lead you to? So what now brought about the vision of marriage 365? Yeah. So yeah, year three, we're hating each other. And, you know, I, I really wanted a divorce. I think Casey, I know you said you were done, but I think I was the one that was really initiating the divorce at that point. And before I made that huge decision, luckily my friend said, you know, I think you should go talk to somebody about that. It's a really big decision. I went to see a therapist and she said something very transformative. And she said, if you want to make a better marriage, it starts by making a better you. Hmm. She said, you're on this couch, your husband's not, but I can show you how to be the healthiest wife you could be no matter what happens in your marriage. And that's what I did. I committed for, in my own internal timeline, it was two years. For two years, I was going to just focus on me and getting healthy, 
not blame him anymore, work on forgiving him, um, getting closer to God, choosing my friends wisely, right? All these kinds of things just to be healthy. And um, 13 months later, Casey noticed the change in me. And he said, hey, listen, whatever you have, I want. (laughs) And then we started to rebuild our marriage. Now, when we started to rebuild our marriage, right, we destroyed it in three years. It took about five, six, seven years to rebuild. So I always like to tell people that it wasn't fast. It wasn't, you know, within two weeks we were back together. No, there was a lot of things we had to learn. And as we were rebuilding and repairing our marriage, we realized that what do you do if you can't afford therapy? Because we could not afford therapy. We were in significant amount of debt. What do you do if you can't find a therapist you both like? There really isn't a lot of marriage resources available. And so we kind of started creating our own. And as our marriage started to heal, our friends were like, hey, you guys need to do something with this. Like you're helping us now. You guys were the least likely couple to succeed. (laughs) And that's really kind of how Marriage 365 started. Now there's a lot more back-end story for another time. Um, But long story short, God really gave both Casey and I a vision uh, that we would speak into the marriages for this next generation. And we've just been obedient ever since then. And he has provided for us every single day, one step at a time. And it is not anything of where we thought it was going to go. It's even better. Hmm. And so really this is God's calling on us using a very broken, messy, imperfect couple (laughs) who has really restored and done a lot of hard work relying on him um, Mm -hmm. and spreading the good news of this message of hope because most marriage problems are fixable. That's what we've discovered now that we're trained and we've, we've, we, you know, we're certified coaches and whatnot. We know now most marriages are fixable. It's just, we give up way too soon. So we really want to provide that hope and that healing for couples. And that's, that is great. You know, we've always heard that saying, it takes two to make it work. And I think, so when people now have crisis in marriage, and they feel the other person is not, you know, doing the work. They just want to give up. And exactly. so we also we also realize too that, you know what? It also takes one. You just need one person who is yeah. willing to pay that price to actually pull through. And so it's great hearing it from, from both of you too that, no, as long as you are in for it and you're ready to do the work and work on yourself, then... It can really, really happen. Well, when you say if you want a better marriage, starts by making a better you. That's very empowering to someone to say, like, I have control. I I have the authority and power within myself to make the changes needed to heal my marriage. Mm. But if you sit there and go, well, my marriage isn't going to be great because of my spouse. That's very disempowering. And I, I mean, American culture is all about independence and <laughs> it 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 flies in the face of teamwork, right? But what I would say is I think that people give up because it's almost it's easier. It's to easier. Say, it was that person. So they blame. They don't take responsibility for themselves. They don't take responsibility like, hey, I should probably become the healthiest version of myself so that I show up healthy in life. And to be honest with you, couples that do that. Um, we, you know, the statistics show that I don't know, 60, 70% of uh, divorcees live with regret because they sat there and blamed their spouse and they never took the time to say like, I, I can do this. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
And while going through your your website, there is um the talk of you know accumulating two fifty thousand in debt and actually getting through it now. And so I'm just wondering, two fifty, what happened? <laughs> okay, so a big part of that were student loans. So we okay. both went to college. Our parents didn't help us. Yeah. So a lot of that was student loans. Um, honestly, a lot of it was credit cards, stupid mm. purchases. Like yeah. we would go to Costco and because we felt like we could and we felt entitled, we would just buy whatever we wanted to buy. Didn't matter how much money was in the bank. Um, we needed a new vacuum cleaner. And the guy at the store said, hey, you know, if you open a line of credit with us, you could finance this vacuum cleaner, pay zero today. And we're like, sure, why not? Great. I mean, it was like a $150 vacuum cleaner. But we, so there was a lot of things like that. I think too, you know, we did buy a house in a different state with the intent to possibly move into it and ended up becoming a rental, but we had no clue what we were doing with that. Um, you know, it, the water, I remember babe, the water heater broke and we were like, how are we going to pay to fix this? Like people are living in this house. They have to have hot water. It's in the snow. Like, what are we going to do? And even something as silly as like, we leased a car. So it was never really ours. We were just, we drove a brand new car, but it, it was leased. So just lots of honestly dumb financial decisions. <laughs> and, and then I would also say too, I mean, those were the things we purchased, but the attitude that we had towards money was I get to do my thing. You get to do your thing, right? Like it, I, I get to, I get to buy whatever I want to because it's my money. And so there's, and there's entitlement, there's a, lots and lots of entitlement, oh, yeah. lots of selfishness with our, yeah. with our spending and no saving. I mean, there was yeah. zero savings, nothing there, like that. There's a great story where um, Megan's trying to put down the financial, you know, pressure of saying, you know, you can't buy stuff. And I was, I was like, you can't tell me what to do. And so um, <laughs> I went out that day and I bought a wet, I'm a surfer. So I, I bought a wetsuit. I'm always buying surf gear and boards and stuff like that. So um, I didn't tell Megan because she doesn't need to know. So our friends come over. And I told my buddy, I'm like, hey, come downstairs real quick. I want to show you something. So I, we go in the garage. I show him the wetsuit. I'm all excited. And and he was like, that's a nice wetsuit. And I was like, yeah, it was like 400 bucks. But, you know, and I didn't say anything. Like, don't say anything. I just was excited about it. So we walk upstairs. First thing out of his mouth is like, hey, Megan, what would you think of Casey's new wetsuit? And I'm like. I was, I was so busted. I was so mad. And it yes. was like, that's an example of. Just the lies, the spending, the lack of accountability, not being a team with our finances, it ended up accumulating to $250,000 of debt within three years of our marriage. Now, we obviously got married with student loans, so a lot of that was student yeah. loans, but it, it was significant amount, yes. Mm -hmm. So so now we've we're, we're figured out where, you know, it's all the debt came from. Um, some could be justified and others... Well, we've, we've heard it all. And, and we know that this actually puts, you know, some strain in the marriage. Um, definitely because finances is usually a huge, um, deal when it comes to marriage. Either too much of it or less of it tend, you know, tends to affect marriages. And so I'm just wondering, how did this financial strain affect your marriage? I would say the number one thing we experienced was stress. 
And when you're emotionally stressed out, you do not show up in a healthy way. Would you agree? Yep. Yep. (laughs) So the stress, it was constant stress, constant financial, because we weren't just living paycheck to paycheck. We were living paycheck to paycheck, but with a, a big amount of debt on top of it. Right. And so our fights you know, it would, it would be not just about one issue. It would be about 30 things. So even if it started off with a budget, you know, topic and ended up being about all these other things, because we were so stressed out. Um, I think we too, we definitely, we couldn't have a healthy conversation about money. I mean, I don't remember one healthy conversation ever about (laughs) finances at that point, because again, going back to the entitlement and the selfishness, um, there were many, many sleepless nights where that stress of, oh my gosh, we have this credit card bill. It's due in five days. We have a hundred dollars left in our bank account and we still have to buy groceries for the week. It it impacted our sleep. Um, the other thing I would say that was really difficult was we didn't have an emergency fund. So I remember I got like a flat tire and here I am on the side of the freeway, right? I mean, luckily they don't make you pay right there, but the tow guy, you know, gives you your bill. And it's like, I can't pay for this. Um, I remember Casey the same month, he needed like a filling at the dentist and we had nothing. And so again, those emergencies, which you have to account for, we never did. And so the stress just increased, increased, increased. And I think too, under the foundation of all that was broken trust because Mm. trust is foundational in marriage. And he didn't trust me and how I was going to spend our money. And I didn't trust him. And so then, then it's like, you start questioning, right? Like, well, he gets to go to the grocery store. Is he going to buy stuff, you know, that we don't need? And, and, you know, well, he lied about the wetsuit. Is he buying something else and he's keeping it from me? And so just lots of broken trust. Yeah. I would say um, early on in our marriage, um, the trust was broken because integral to trust is accountability. Yeah. Right. Being accountable to someone is part of being a team. And I wasn't ready to be a part of a team. I was wanting to do my own thing. And uh, then we started to judge how we spent money, where we spent money, what we spent money on. And so there was just, it was this, um, there was no love towards each other when it came to money. And, you know, getting out of debt was something that, was nice to have, but we weren't really serious about it because we knew it would come with sacrifices. And frankly, uh, maybe we're just feeling entitled or I don't want to do it the hard way. But I remember in September of 2008, I've got an eight month old daughter. We're living paycheck to paycheck. Um, We have a leased car. We've got all this debt. And Megan and I sat up and we just felt convicted, like, God, it's time for us to get serious about our debt. Like, this is horrible. It's creating stress, sleepless nights, the whole thing. And so we sat up in bed and we prayed, all right, Jesus, help us get rid of debt. Two weeks later, I lose my job. Wow. And I was a nonprofit fundraiser during one of the worst financial crises in the last two decades of 2008. Eight. Yeah. As a nonprofit fundraiser, In a down economy, there weren't a lot of jobs. And so it was, it was really, really hard to receive that kind of answer to prayer. Um, And that, 
I mean, you know, that was kind of like the, what gives God? <laughs> like We prayed to get out of debt. And the, the thought would be, well, Casey's just going to make more money. <laughs> right. But there was some life lessons that needed to be learned. And, you know, when, when couples deal with money, it's really, money's just a tool. There's nothing inherently evil or good about a dollar bill. It's just a piece of paper. Money is a tool. And what happens is couples really need to understand like, well, what does money represent to us? And we had to go through something really, really difficult to understand this amazing life lesson. And and that is this, I am not the financial provider for my family. God is. Yes, sir. I I am just a steward that is here to manage that. Um, and, And if God blesses us with little or with much, we have to learn how to steward that well on both sides. You have to learn how to steward a lot of money. You have to learn how to steward little money. And um, what's interesting in the Marriage 365 story is that I actually started to officiate weddings as a side gig because I, I found I talked to my buddy. And he's like, yeah, I, I make three hundred and fifty dollars to, to officiate weddings. And I was like. Are, are you serious? Like, that's amazing, because at the time I was getting like. Probably less than three thousand dollars from unemployment at the time. Mm-hmm. And that led me to actually share my marriage story with couples that were embarking on the marriage. And that really actually started to, for me, form in a heart for, you know, there, there needs to be some sort of tool out there where couples can have a healthy conversations about money and sex and everything else like that. But it actually, so think about like, I lost my job and I take up the side gig. I probably would not have had, had we gone through this, which was really fertile ground for us to think about marriage 365. Yeah. And it's, it's just, great points that you're actually throwing out there. And now finding yourself in that place and the stress and all that comes with being in debt. How did you go about, I know now you you have a side gig that, that God provided for you. Um, how did you then have that shift, yeah. you know, in managing the stress that came with, with, um, with debt? So the first thing we did was decided to be a team. The one thing that couples need to recognize, if you look at anybody who's wealthy and they're married, it's their spouses, they're a team financially. The couples who actually have like separate bank accounts and aren't accountable, they typically don't win financially. So look at the wealthy couples. They're winning because they're a team. They're very on the same page um, when it comes to the majority of the finances. That doesn't By the way, this is not saying that Casey and I don't have differences on when we should spend money or save money. We still have arguments about that stuff. But at the end of the day, it is a team mindset. It is a complete mindset, you know, to have because as a married couple, you should be a team on almost everything, right? Like if you're a team and we have the same goals, like we... We want to be financially secure. We want to not have debt. We want to have retirement one day, right? Like most couples actually share the same financial goals. It's just how are we going to get there is what usually looks different. So the the mindset's important. Casey touched on it earlier, but ask your spouse this question. What does money mean to you? Mm -hmm. Does it mean freedom? Does it mean security? Does it mean fun, power, independence? Is it just a necessity? See, a lot of people are working 80 hours a week because for them, it means success or power or class, right? Mm -hmm. 
a lot of people are working because they're like, I just have to, because I want freedom when I retire, whatever that looks like. It's really helpful to understand why your spouse is motivated by money or why they aren't motivated by money. What does money represent to them? Um, a great question to also ask is, you know, how did your parents spend and save their money? Because that was normalized growing up. And are they following in their parents' footsteps or did they go completely opposite? Um so those are some great practical things to do. I think another thing that we did was, um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Dave Ramsey. We're big yes. advocates yeah. on him. So we did follow the Dave Ramsey, get out of debt plan, highly yeah. recommend it and recommend yeah. it. But one of the first steps is to have a, an emergency fund. And I remember we were like, okay, a thousand dollars, like, whoa, uh. <laughs> you know what? I will tell you, I mean, our emergency fund is much larger now as our expenses have gotten, you know, we've got more kids and all that mm-hmm. stuff, but having that. Wow. Like there have been how many emergencies, babe, and we have never been stressed out because we have that fund sitting there and that's what it's for. We just shared a story about our, we had to replace a transmission. Oh. That was an emergency. That was very expensive, oh. but we had that fund funded well. So yes. Yes. Um, and then I would say also, you know, we, we did pay off our debt. So that was, you know, you can save and put your money to retirement and none of that matters until you pay off your debt. And just like the Bible says, you know, you're, you're a slave to the lender. And we felt that we felt that burden. And so, you know, we paid off our smallest debts to our biggest debts. That's how Dave Ramsey does it. He doesn't do it based off interest rate. Nothing. Just if you've got an $800 credit card and you've got an 8,000 pay off the 800, 800. It's it's a win that you need right away. And we needed those wins. And so we listed out on a really basic spreadsheet, all of our debts and the total amount. And it was like, we started from smallest to biggest. Um, one of the things that you you, would, you were asking about was how did we get to that place? And, and um, those were some of the practical things. I think there was a heart thing though that changed for both Megan and I. And that was moving from a place of um, contentment Moving to a place of contentment was really, really the the wrestling that I did with God that was hard. That was the hardest part. Like paying off the debt was just, it's a numbers game. Let's get that money in. We're going to make some tough choices. But there was a, there was a heart posture that was um, not installed in me when we got married that um, was just appreciating the, the, the simple things. Um, I'll never forget, like we had a, one of these like plastic tubs that's probably like maybe three or four foot wide. And it's only like maybe a foot deep. Um, and we filled that thing up. I'm sitting in there with my daughter. I got my hands folded across and I'm like, just grumpy, just, you know, so disappointed with life and everything else like that. And I just felt like God rush in it with just like, can you learn to be content in just the simple things? Because just because you have more things doesn't make you more content. Because you can be content with a lot and you can be content with a little. It's just a heart posture. And so, you know, when that was for me, the the, the shift needed in my heart. And that was, it was a heart transplant plant. Yeah. And, and, I, and I think, you know, you just hit what Paul was saying that I've learned to be content in much and I've learned to be content in little. I know most times when people 
talk about the scripture of um, I can do all things to, through Christ who strengthens me. They always look at the amazing, the big things, you know, can climb over that mountain. I can do this. I can do that. But what they forget is that that scripture actually was talking about the place of need and contentment. And so, you know, I can live without my vehicle through Christ to strengthen me. I can, I can live without food or someone who loves, um, desserts. Okay. I can go without desserts through Christ to strengthen me, you know, and, and, you know, maybe in the areas of weakness and all that. And, and I think for me, what happened was getting to know God as my source, you know, which you said earlier on, just knowing that it doesn't matter how much I earn. It doesn't matter, you know, what I receive and all that. But knowing that at the end of the day, God is my employer. He's the one who has employed me. He's the one who is going to pay me, not the paycheck that comes in. Because there have been so many times I just wonder, okay, how did we get through this year? How did we go through this period? Because God had made provision for it. I just wanted to share, uh, when you're talking of um, team, you know, teamwork, I, I remember we wanted to buy a place when we were in Alberta in Peace River. And my my wife was keen on it. I was also keen on it. But at a point, I, I began to feel some disturbance in my spirit about purchasing. And I told her, and I said, I don't think we should go ahead with this purchase. And she said, you know what, we should and all that, you know. And and I just let it be. We still went to see houses and places, but I kept on praying about it. That you know what, God, if if this is something you want us to do, um, you know what, make it happen or just talk to my wife about it. Just make a way and let us come to an agreement because we had made the decision that purchases, major purchases, we need to come agree before we go ahead with it. If we don't, then we won't move forward. And and I think about maybe a week or some weeks later, she came to me and she's like, yeah, I don't think we should, we should get the house and all that. Not long after that, she had to leave her work. And if we had purchased that, then all the financial thing would have been on me to to make those payments, which would have brought stress even uh, up, upon us. And so th- these are some of the things when you talk of teamwork and having that agreement and, you know, goal and all that, it goes a long way to to actually help. We live in Southern California, so um, we'll never buy a house, apparently, because it's so, so expensive. But I remember we were living in a, a two-bedroom apartment and we, we needed to um, upgrade our office space because our, our business was growing and there was a big decision to pay more in rent to actually have an office in the house. And that was really, really scary. And that was a time where Megan and I also kind of had the same kind of situation where God was saying to take that leap of faith. And it was scary for both of us because we were in this frugal mindset and it was so clear that God was saying, no, this is a place I've prepared for you to go ahead and do that. And he's provided every single time. 
Mm. And let me, let me add to that, David, I would agree with you. I think when a couple that's listening is like, Oh, we are not in agreement. My best advice would be to sit, wait and pray. Yeah. Casey and I have made some decisions. Sorry, babe. I'm throwing you under the bus for a second. Mainly Casey. When we have not agreed. What? And I tell you every single time it has come back to bite him in the butt. And it's one of those things like we've just learned, like it's, if we're not in agreement, it doesn't mean it's not going to happen or it is going to happen. It just, to me means wait, wait, wait and pray. Obviously like there are some decisions you have to make, but most decisions financially, you can wait a day, a two, two weeks, three weeks. And it's, you know what? And if it didn't happen, then it wasn't the right time. But if you both don't have peace about it and it's a bigger decision, I would say that is not then from God because it, of course he wants you to be aligned in that. And so that there's been many stories we've had where there's been a lack of alignment and we've been afterwards like, ah, we should have just waited and prayed more about that. You know, I I would say alignment is so, so powerful. In fact, uh, just because we're filming content about our marriage, you know, one of the things that through the healing process was our desire to be authentic Mm. and to show up and like, this is who we are. Whereas before, when we were first married, it was like, hey, everybody, check us out. We're the best, you know, and it was a it was a show. It was a show. And there was competition amongst friends and everything like that. Um, We're so authentic that if Megan and I are not aligned and we're not on the same page or there's a rift, we've canceled film days. We will not. We're not going to jump on a podcast and, and pretend in any way because that's goes against everything that we were as an unhealthy couple yeah. now being we've processed. So we, we can be transparent about really, really hard topics because we've processed through those together. You know, we're not mm. in process. We've processed those past pain, hurts and pains so we can talk about them very openly. Yeah. And, and th- thank you so much. As we, we kind of round up um, with, because I do, I, I do believe that there's been a number of um, tips that have, you know, and even actionable things that our listeners can actually go ahead and do and begin to work on. Um, even especially just the piece of just, if you're not in agreement, wait and pray. Oh, I have an, a lot of stories even about that too, whether it's, it has to do with my parents or my, my in-laws or even in our own marriage where they decided to, one person was strong headed and decided to go ahead and how you know, at the end of the day, it was like, <laughs> I, I would love to tell you, I told you so, but I won't tell you so. <laughs> so, um, so I, I just have this last question. What is the best advice that you would give a couple who is currently experiencing financial stress in their marriage? I, I mean, there's so many. Um, okay. You can say go, more than one. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm going to go. I'm going to go to the content. If if there's stress in the marriage uh, financially, um, it's it's got to be a heart check. Because working out money issues is kind of the, the tactics. It's the day-to-day stuff. But if you're not showing up to your marriage hungry and humble, you're not content, that that seems to be the the um, the attitude that stirs up strife. Cause we've worked with a lot of couples where, you know, the guy saw across us. He's like, um, I want to retire with $10 million. And so he was working like 60, 70 hours a week. And his wife's like, I, I never see him. And we had to sit there and go like, well, 
so what happens at 10 million? Like, what is it? Well, we can, we can experience more fuller life. Okay. So you can't experience full life right now. Um, no, well, no, cause I can have more experiences. Like we can travel. Okay. So when you travel, is that going to be like, you're going to travel full time? No, no, no. It's just going to be the trips. So you start to whittle down on like, you know, we see all these influencers online. They're like, I'm going to be a millionaire. I'm going to be the billionaire. I want to be part of the billionaire club. And you want to sit them down and kind of go, okay, at what cost and what for? Because rich people aren't happier than poor people. Nope. So my my advice is if there's financial stress happening in the home, it's a hard issue. Yeah, I like that. Um, yeah, I would say, I mean, on a practical level at Marriage 365, we have a 10-day money challenge. It's actually our financial advisors. It's a husband and wife. They're amazing. And it's a really basic, simple way to just start the money conversations. Because if you're like Casey and I, where we couldn't even sit down and look at a budget without fighting, right? The stress was just too much. The 10-day money challenge is just like a two to three minute video with like one question to ask each other. And that's it. And it's for 10 days. And you can do it 10 days in a row, or you can break it up over you know a couple, couple weeks, couple months. But I think my best advice would be if you can learn to start talking about it not necessarily finding resolutions yet. Like we'll get there. If you can't talk about it, you're not going to fix it. So you have to learn how to talk about it. And what does that mean? That means you have to be able to hear your spouse's perspective and be okay if it's different than yours. Mm. Like don't get to the, we're not aligned. Oh my gosh. Like we get so stuck in that, especially as women, like he doesn't think the same way I do. It's okay. Like God made us all so differently. The best listeners, the best communicators can listen to the spouse's perspective and try really hard to understand it without being judgmental. Mm-hmm. Bit of a learning, there's a bit of a learning there to say, I'm going to learn what my spouse's view of money is. I'm going to learn, are they content? Are they not? Content? I'm going to learn how their parents spent their money or save their money. Just like get in a posture of learning more about your spouse. And if you can both learn about each other, then we can, like Marriage 365, we can help you through that next process. And let me just say something if, to all the husbands that are listening to this. Um, if you are in a, a traditional or, you know, a traditional family where maybe you're the one working, wife stays at home and raising the kids, um, you know, there is no your money or my money <laughs> in successful marriages, right? Regardless, it, it, it is the purpose of marriage is to become a team. You mm-hmm. pull your resources together and the best teams, best sports teams that win never win because the superstar takes center stage. Yeah. The most successful teams play as a team. They rely on each other and they focus. They, there's no like, Oh, it's because of this person. It's the, it works as a team. And I just think we've heard too many stories where I feel like there's some power, like so. power conversations, like, well, I have more authority because I make more money or things like that. That is absolutely a uh, bad marriage play. Okay. Mm-hmm. It is our money, no matter who makes it or who makes more. And I, I just would say that for the husbands out there, remember that, that you work as a team and it really dis- demolishes trust and affection when there's power plays like that. Thank you so much, um, Casey and Megan. 
And and you know, before we, we go, I would like you to talk about any other products. Yes, I know there is the Marriage 365 app that um people can go download. Is there any other resource that you'd like our listeners to, to know about? Our app is really the number one resource we'd recommend. If you go to the app store, you know, just type in Marriage 365, it'll pop up. That 10-day money challenge is in there. Um, it's also a really just convenient way to invest in your marriage, you know, invest your, not just your money, but your time. And it's always fun to think about, like, when we're talking about money, like an investment you get a return on, right? It's not an expense. And I think that's one thing we didn't really touch on, but I just want to say any money you ever spend on your marriage, whether it's a getaway with you and your spouse, a date night, a $10 frozen yogurt date, you know, whatever that is, a membership, a marriage retreat, a marriage book, therapy is always has to be viewed as an investment. Mm. And I believe that God will honor that and provide for that. And there are way too many people saying, well, I'm just not going to spend money on my marriage. But then if you look at their bank account, they've got the brand new car, they subscribe to Netflix, whatever. It's like you can cut other places and invest in your marriage. And so we we would love to help you. Um, of course, you know, at Marriage 365, or you can go to our website, marriage365.com to learn more. I, I love, I love this, your, 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 your last speech about investing in your marriage, because people tend to feel that our marriage would just work <laughs> without actually investing in, in it. And investment is, it's time, it's the energy, it's the finances, you know, and, and all that. And so, um, to our listeners, we've heard what um, Casey and uh, Megan Kasten have um, brought forward to us today, you know, navigating financial stress in marriage. And more importantly, on how teamwork, connection, investing, the heart posture, the mindset, how all these things can come together to help you in your finances. And so I just want to say thank you so much once again, Casey. Thank you again, Megan, for making our time to speak to us. And um, to all our listeners, we just say thank you so much for joining us. Till next time, one will bring you another enlightening, empowering, and inspiring episode. Stay connected. God bless you and yours. Amen. If you like that show, please don't forget to leave a review to spread the love. Hi, friend. If you've been inspired or found value in this episode, one of the best ways to thank us is to leave a written review on Apple Podcast. We would love to hear from you. Please feel free to share this episode with friends and family. And together, we can build stronger marriages, families, and communities. Stay connected. Shalom.